Welcome to Groundwater Canada, the podcast, where we talk about issues of interest to the groundwater industry. Groundwater Canada is a national trade publication for water well, geotechnical and environmental drillers, pump installers, scientists, engineers, product suppliers, and others whose work relates to groundwater. Happy autumn, everyone. Groundwater Canada is pleased to present this podcast in which we're recognizing the first ever recipient of our Distinguished Driller Award. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Groundwater Canada, and I'm excited to announce the recipient of this year's Distinguished Driller Award, Daryl Lepper, owner of Lakeland Drilling Limited in St. Paul, Alberta. Nominations for the Distinguished Driller Award opened in June, and our panel of judges made their decision this summer. The criteria for this award were based on the individual's level of experience in the industry, as well as his or her leadership, innovation, and business acumen skills. Groundwater Canada would like to thank its sponsors for this program, Heron Instruments and Pompco. We recently caught up with Daryl to get his thoughts for this podcast, and his story also appears in print in our fall issue. But let's hear first from Heron Instruments, one of our sponsors. Heron Instruments designs and manufactures some of the best groundwater measurement and monitoring tools in the industry. Check out our latest innovations including our new data logger software for Mac operating systems and our ever-popular compact borehole inspection cameras. We are always improving our water level meter product line which now includes automatic sensing for cascading water, no more guesswork and no more sensitivity dials. Thank you for supporting us and being a valued customer. Just to start with, um, maybe uh, what have been some of the, the highlights of your, your drilling career? I know you've been in the business for quite some time, and uh, you've probably seen lots of changes you know, in the industry over the years. What, what would you consider to be some of the, the highlights that you're especially proud of? Well, I think we did a lot of environmental drilling, lots of stuff that other people probably didn't do, and we, then we just moved forward with that. So what would that entail, the environmental drilling? What, uh... Well, like deeper presometers and... Uh different ways of installing them and we worked on a lot of different jobs so would you consider yourself um like a leader in that regard were you one of the first to uh, to go that route uh, i think we we were probably one of the bigger ones doing environmental drilling in our area anyway no your area what what area does that entail? Uh, really? Well, northern Alberta. Now, um, how has the industry changed uh, during your years as a driller? And, oh, and you, just, you've been in the business for what, more than 40 years, I guess. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I, was, I started when I was 18 years old. And I'll okay. be 60 this year. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's, that's a long time, yeah. The biggest progression was everything switching over from steel casing to PVC casing, right? Turning the wells into a lot longer lasting, right? And then the drift, different drilling techniques, the rigs got better, right? The equipment got better. Were you trained, I guess, uh, by a predecessor of yours then? and um, Or have well, you had some formal training um, uh, as well? Well, environmental drilling wasn't a really big thing until about, oh, let me think here, probably the 90s. Then it got more focused on protecting the groundwater, right? And then when I started working with uh, some of the oil companies and then some of the consultants, that's where I learned a lot of it. And then we changed things as, you know, like anything. If you if you do it, you, you learn from your mistakes, right? And mostly I, the environmental part of it, I, I was taught more by the consultants, right? But like say, I mean, we... We had a lot of wrecks at the beginning, and then we figured it out, made changes, and then got better at it. Bought different equipment, uh, different procedures, and made it a lot more quick, uh, faster, whatever, you, however you want to call it, more efficient. Are you actually the the owner then of uh, Lakeland Drilling? Yes. Okay, you are. Okay, and and how long have you owned it? Uh, nineteen ninety six. 
I used to work for my uh, ex-brother-in-law and sister, and then in 96, I took over. Now, I'm reading your uh, nomination form, and I, I forgive me if I mispronounce your nominator's name. Is it Sharla uh, Philippon? Is it Philippon, yeah. Now, she has kind of indicated, I guess, that you're contemplating uh, retirement uh, in the near future? The not yeah, I've, near future? I've, already, I've already slowed a lot down. Like, I'm not doing too much industrial work anymore. Just kind of putzing around with domestic stuff right now. But yeah, no, I'm not doing more oil field work. I'm just about 60 years old. I'm pretty right. much done. Now, do you have um, offspring who are going to uh, take over the business from you? Or how's that uh, working? Well, I had my two boys working for me and they chose not to uh, carry on for some reason. Well, I think the biggest thing is it's manpower right now. It's, it's so hard to find good people, people that actually care, right? That's, that's the biggest challenge we had the last probably four or five years, right? And I think any water well company is having the same issues, right? Or any business right now. Yeah, that seems to be uh, common right across yeah. the country. I don't, know the, I don't know if it's just the younger generation doesn't want to do the harder work. You know, because water well drilling is hard work, right? You know, oh. you, you get paid decent money, but you're never home. And like, especially if you're doing industrial work, you're never home, right? You live out of a suitcase probably for the whole year, for four days, gone for three weeks, two weeks. You know, you, you take, you go to whatever job is available, right? Now, do you have a uh, succession plan then uh, for uh, the business? I don't know. I'm going to wait one more year and see if my kids change their mind, but I don't think they will. And then if they don't, then I'll either put it up for sale or I'm just going to retire. Unfortunately, it's too bad because this business has been in established since 1976 right so, I, unfortunately you can't make your kids do what they don't want to do and if they're not happy doing it then why would you make them do it? what are uh, obviously aside from the uh, labor shortage and um, also i understand that uh, it is an aging industry and there are very few younger people who seem to be inspired to get into the industry what what major challenges do you see facing the industry at this point oh less water well drillers by far I mean, just in our area alone, there used to be one, four other drilling companies, right? And I think there's like now two, you know, so the, all the older guys retired and nobody wants to take over. Their kids didn't want to take over. They're in the same position I was, right? They, they said the younger generation just does not want to do it. And I don't know if it's the challenge of trying to find good people or it's just the work, right? I think it's the the, the most part of it is the, the younger generation just doesn't want to do the work. You know, it kind of uh, raises a question mark as to what the future of... You know, where's the, the water going to come from? Well, who's going to do the work? We'll be back with the second part of this podcast, but let's take a moment to hear from Pompco, one of our sponsors. Pompco has been manufacturing water pumps in Canada for residential and light commercial applications since 1977. Pompco would like to thank the professional pump installers for putting their trust in us for the past 45 years. Pompco pumps are made here by Canadians for Canadians. For more information about our products, visit pompco.com. In uh, Sharla's uh, nomination form, she mentioned that uh, I guess you had a little bit of a knack for, um, I guess, inventing and fabricating certain parts as needed and uh, different components. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, we always figured a different way of doing things. Like, you know, an easier way, right? Building coilers or fishing tools or whatever it took to get the job done to make it easier for everybody, right? So what sort of items could you could you name? And well, how, did you, uh, how did you come about uh, manufacturing these items? Well, we have a local machine shop that would do work for us. Build packers or um, fishing tools for us. That's basically most of it. And then buying some coilers and getting them made from him or whatever, right? To wrap hose up or stuff like that, right? You mentioned, I guess, there's a, in your area, there's two drilling businesses that 
are kind of operating right now. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. In its heyday, how many were, were going, like when you first uh, began in the industry? About five, wow. five, six. So it's uh, it's dropped substantially then. Yeah, but you, you got to think too, like there's not a lot of domestic wells that are drilled anymore because people are not really building a ton of houses right now. So, you know, people are just moving from another house to another house or whatever. And there's not, like the farmers are getting so much bigger that there's no more new farm homesteads, right? Because the guys are just buying all the land and then just creating big farms, right? You drill a few few wells that guys or kids are moving off, you know, in the same yard or the next yard over, right? But it's not like it used to be, like there was, you know, a farmer every half mile, right? Now guys are just buying up old land and it's just getting bigger and bigger farms, right? Charlotte also mentioned that I guess over the years you committed yourself to training and mentoring you know, other up-and-comers. Uh, what, what type of advice uh, or words of wisdom have you imparted on these people, you know, to get their feet wet in the industry? Well, I think, you know, you try to make them like the job and try to succeed at it. Now, how many people do you have working for you? Three right now. Yeah, but I used to have like six guys, five, six guys. And uh, two of them are uh, are your own flesh and blood, I well, guess. Right? Two, one still works with me when he when he's working on his days off, right? He like he, I think he wants to take over, but there again, it's just the the manpower problem. You know, when you're, you're committed to going to oil field jobs, and then you get guys not showing up or phoning in the morning and not coming to work, well, you can't you can't go to work, and then it's really sad, actually. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way the way it is nowadays. In terms of you know equipment and uh, you know the machinery necessary to do the job, what what kind of advancements have you seen over the years in that that regard? Oh, the equipment is way better than when I started. You know, you started with an old failing fifteen hundred or whatever, right? Cable rigs with uh, pull down chains, and now it's all hydraulics, and the equipment is a hundred times better. So even though in in theory, I guess the the work might be easier it's still harder to find people to do the work i guess yeah it's the long hours it's like working on the oil field right i mean it's if you're working in the industry like oil field industry you're never home right it's basically you're working your 12-hour days and sometimes you're gone for 14 days right oil companies don't have you know like they want to get their job done and they don't care if it takes two weeks and they don't care if it's like christmas time they just you get paid to go do your job that's plain and simple right like if it's a long weekend they don't care you go to work. So with the the labor shortage in mind, what do you kind of foresee for this industry in general over, say, the next decade? What Do you, do you see think any, any improvement in the, the horizon, or what, uh, what do you see if you can look through your crystal ball right now? I think there will be guys starting up, because the economy is going to get tighter, right? So as the economy gets tighter, people have to look at ways to make money, right? And guys are going to have to go back to work and go and do this kind of work, right? It's a good industry. I, I made a good living at it. I enjoyed what I did. I met a lot of good people. So I, I see it coming back, but I just don't see it right now because there's so many other opportunities for these younger kids to go and do, right? Like they, don't, they don't have to work 12 hours a day. They can get jobs working uh, eight hours a day, making good money, right? And it's, un, like I say, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Like, like I see, I see other drilling companies that I know that they have the same problem. They just have a hard time keeping people. It's very transient. It's the best way I can describe it, right? Some guys will show up for a week and <laughs> they're gone. They just don't like it. You know, I wish I was 10, 15 years younger because I wouldn't get out of it. Well, the time comes when you got to, unfortunately, close the door behind you. And I'm getting, yes, and move on, yeah. I'm getting to that point myself, too. So it's... Uh... Exactly. Like, like I say, it's... I wish my, my one son, he he's, uh, really likes it, but like I say, just he's seen the, the problems we had of keeping people, right? And I don't think he wants the stress, right? 
he has a he has young family too he has two young kids like when i did it i was never home like i never seen my kids till they were 16 17 years old because i was always gone yeah that's quite a sacrifice you made really well you have to if, if you want to succeed in life you have to give sacrifices right you know sometimes maybe you made you pushed it too far you know push the envelope too far that's the best way i could describe it would i make changes of course i would have but I mean, you can't have no regrets once it's done. Um, is there anything uh, more you can tell me about uh, yourself, your uh, your career, any uh, other accomplishments that are uh, noteworthy? Anything else uh-huh. that? Uh... Well, like I say, we work for like oil companies that you know, which I'm very proud of. Was you know, they would wait a year for me to come and do their work, right? They wouldn't hire nobody else. So that you know, that's so tells you something the kind of work that you did, right? I'm a, I'm pretty proud of that. Like we. We did a very good job. What we did, we did really well. And then I put my kids through uh, drilling school. One of them won the the award for the highest mark. Proud father. Yeah, they were they're they're good kids. They're good good workers. But like I say, I mean, you can't force them to do something they don't want to do. That was Daryl Lepper, recipient of Groundwater Canada's inaugural Distinguished Driller Award. Congratulations, Daryl, and thank you once again to Heron Instruments and Pomco for their sponsorship of this program. Thank you for listening to Groundwater Canada, the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others in the industry and let us know what you'd like to hear in future episodes.